0: Kia ora and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing.
1: I'm Max Tarrant.
0: I'm William Chan.
1: And I'm Sarah Watt.
0: And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar theme. This month we are discussing Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which came out this year, and Fargo, which came out in 1996. The connection being that they both star Frances McDormand. Right, William, would you like to give us a bit of an intro into Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri? Of course, uh, which is a fantastic title, by the way. Uh, Three (laughs) Billboards is directed by playwright and pretty great director, uh, Martin McDonagh. Uh, It stars Francis McDormand, Woody Harrelson, um, Sam Rockwell, Peter Dinklage, and a bunch of other great actors. And it is about the plight of a... A mother, played by Frances McDormand, uh, named Mildred, who goes to extreme lengths to force the town to reconcile with the fact that a crime had been committed and nothing had come of the investigation. Excellent. And Sarah, would you like to give us a bit of an overview of 1996
1: Fargo? Fargo, a most wonderful Oscar winning film, not that that means everything, but it kinda counts, Uh, written and directed by the brothers Cohen, Joel and Ethan. Francis McDormand stars, uh, but as does William H. Macy, who actually um, has the lion's share of the scenes in the film. It is about um, an ordinary guy called Jerry Lundergaard who uh, is in some plight, to use the word that you used, William, and who goes to extraordinary lengths, to use the same words that you used, William, to um, get himself out of financial trouble by having his wife kidnapped in the hope that his father-in-law will pay The ransom, and that Jerry himself can avail himself of those finances. However, a comedy of errors ensues, things get bloody and go terribly wrong.
0: And you say um, William H. Macy, just to kind of jump straight into Fargo, he's sort of. I find that there's three leads in this piece because there is William H. Macy, Francis McDormand, but Steve Buscemi has (coughs) a good third of the screen time. And even though Steve Buscemi had had roles up until that point, Mm. uh, I feel like this is the film that. Puts him front and center, and in terms of a leading man status, it's still very much an ensemble piece. But he really just gets to shine. And if I understand correctly, the part was written for him.
1: It's it's funny. I have the screenplay at home, and I, I um, had a quick read of some of the lines just to see if very much of it was improved or not. And you can imagine that if if it's a an Ethan Cohen, I believe it's Joel who directs and Ethan who writes, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And if it's an Ethan Cohen script, then you don't really need to be improvising. And I read the lines, and I thought these sound as though they're written for Steve Buscemi, and um, so yes, that makes so absolute when, sense to when me. When was Reservoir Dogs? Ninety-two, mm. and Barton Fink was prior to that. Oh, was Barton Fink prior to yes. that? Another Coen mm. Brothers film. Mm. So Steve Buscemi had had been up and coming, absolutely. And Reservoir Dogs, you know, Notorious I mean, Mr. I think Fink. he
2: plays kind of similar character.
1: I do too, and he delivers his lines in the same
2: way. Well, I think there's a lot about the film that has that. It borrows a little bit in terms of just bringing in the banal. Um, but it deals with it in a very different way to the way Tarantino does, um, and in, in some ways it makes a more subtle balancing act between the banal, the everyday, and the gruesome and the um, whatever else it is, the serious. And mm. I think I'll, I'll mm-hmm. talk more about that later because I think it's really interesting.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think you're right about the banality. So I mean, let's 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 go with where we're heading. Um, I thought about that watching Fargo and watching Steve Buscemi deliver his lines when he's in the, the car with his, car. so Steve Buscemi basically is one of the, um, the hired hands, the, the kidnappers who then botches the job terribly, uh, and he's in the car with the very taciturn, virtually silent Peter um, Stomare uh, Stormare Stormare. Or, oh, or whatever, that's right. And he's like, you haven't said anything he, he for four like, hours. He
2: looks and like Ryan Gosling's dad, I reckon. He
1: does look like a Ryan Gosling dad. That's <laughs> a, a
2: little bit of Bruce
1: Willis. That's yeah. a that's yeah. a casting opportunity waiting to happen, isn't it? Yeah. And that Steve Buscemi is the verbose character who's mm. all like, um, you know, why right, why aren't you saying anything? You haven't said a word in four hours. Would, would it Would it kill you to say something? Uh, and and it's very similar to the Mister Pink
2: yeah. um,
1: kind of delivery and uh, the neuroticism and all that sort of thing so mm.
0: yeah all right, so maybe it was a long yeah like we said it's a sort of a series of films and definitely reservoir dogs is the other film that i think of when i think of steve Buscemi. Mm. but there's something about this character where yeah i guess up front and center is is, is where i was sort of heading because mm. it does feel like there are there is three leads in this film yeah. three, yes. there's only three story threads going through yeah. the whole yeah. whole piece
1: so the interesting thing is we picked francis mcdormand as our common denominator here uh, there are other common denominators, dear listeners, which we will um, uh, apprise you of shortly. But obviously, she's the notable one. And yet, in Fargo, it's William H. Macy's film for the first 33 minutes. Mm. We don't meet... Um, good Lord, and I've just Marge. forgotten her name. Marge mm. Gunderson, Gunderson. <laughs> who married who married Norm's son of a Gunderson. Mm. <laughs> um, we don't meet um, the wonderful policewoman, Marge Gunderson, until 33 minutes in. And she doesn't meet jerry Lundegaard until an hour into the film mm-hmm. so it's interesting that she she won best actress for fargo and she does seem like a star of the film doesn't she and of course she is a star of the film but yeah. it's interesting that actually it's william h macy's uh he's the, he's he's the protagonist
0: well i don't know I, I don't know i feel like she is the protagonist um and that it's, very, it's, it's just a very ballsy on the Coen Brothers' part to tell a story and not introduce their protagonist until she's part right. of the story. Like right. I think another another writer might yeah. have felt like they needed to introduce the Marge character earlier, but it would have felt like, why is she in this film now? Nice. Um, she doesn't come into the story until she needs to. And she is the person that we're left with. I mean, That's true. The William H. Macy storyline conclusion is very much like an afterthought, the way that they include that scene at the end she is who we are left with her and her husband very good point
1: so it's it's, almost like a relay that you know almost like it's his film and then he passes the baton and mm -hmm. she takes it on and Mm -hmm. it ends Mm -hmm. with it ends with her Mm. so yeah But what about
2: the comparison between her in uh, Three Billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri she's confronting the sheriff of the town mm-hmm. and then now in Fargo she's um, the ple- part of the police force. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Kind of an interesting comparison. <laughs> yes, it is. Opposite ends of the spectrum in some ways. But, antithesis. But she's very, extremely effective in her role compared to... In three ball boards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, we're not so sure about that. And and, and, I mean, in in both cases, the characters
0: are, I mean, they're, you know, they're in stark contrast with each other. But Mm. on the other hand, they are of the same piece. Yes. yes, Both uh, Marge or Margie and Mildred are are these forces of nature. Mm. Um, Marge in a much more subtle way compared to Mildred. Mm. But in a way, they they kind of, uh, they make the world revolve around them. Mm. And um, they're both
1: seeking justice. Yes, yes. So even though one is on true. the other side of the law, yeah. they're both <laughs> absolutely seeking justice and trying to solve a crime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Period. And i think tell you point about
2: the, the way they make the world revolve around them is good in terms of going back to who's the main character and how she stands up as the main character. It's just because of the way it's her tone and her style that she just demands things come to her. And, mm-hmm. and she's so confident and so... Almost blase. She's got this beautiful. Do you mean local, the character or you yeah, mean
1: the actress? The character. The character. Mm.
2: Um, as this character, Marge, she's wonderfully chirpy um, and just goes about her extremely serious bu- yeah. uh, police business. <laughs> Um, I embrace. love that
0: I love the lack of cynicism in her character you know mm. she is chirpy she's positive she's a family woman she's a part of her community but she's not stupid right. she knows what's going on yeah. and she doesn't let the horrors of her job affect mm. her life view or and, her seven
1: month pregnancy yeah <laughs>
2: and, it's a bit of, and a bit manners go a long way oh for the, yes. right? like, So, and it's amazing you know the key moment in, in a lot of ways, and the, the turning point of this film was when William H Macy breaks the veneer of politeness with her mm. and kind of says, um, he, "He just he, he, he snaps, just, doesn't yeah, he yeah. snaps a little <laughs> bit, and she just is not okay with it. Yeah, you have goes, no
1: cause to be snippy with me. <laughs> yeah. I'm just doing mm. my job. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's beautiful.
0: I love my, one of my favourite scenes in cinema is when she goes and meets meets her old school friend. Mm. Um, what's his name, Mike? Mm, Mike. Mike or Chan or no, no, no it's like um
1: <laughs> oh yeah, like Yamamoto or something, yeah, yeah yes. I can't
0: remember, but yes, um, and just that just that wonderful, wonderful scene where he's. He awkwardly sits next to her. Yes. And then... Um, and she's like,
1: no, I'd like it if you sit over yeah. there.
0: Yeah, and she's like, oh, it's just so I can see you better. Without so, turning yeah. my back." <laughs>
1: oh, yes, that's yeah, right. Completely unflappable. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and just the wonderful... And resolute.
0: Yeah. And, and then, of course, him bursting into tears, and I'm uh, so lonely. Um, but I just love how, um, <laughs> I love how that scene is used to both develop her character, but it also is just a, a lovely plot point, which mm-hmm. is maybe that guy was lying as well like when she finds out that he, this old right. friend of yeah. hers didn't yeah. marry this woman yeah. mm-hmm. he's fully lying to her to take advantage of her maybe there's someone else who might have done that it's just mm-hmm. a really great mm-hmm. everything in this film is so tight yeah. Yeah. that yes. is just wonderfully woven into the story yeah. and the first time you watch it you, you kind of don't realise that that's actually integral to, to solve the case mm.
1: yeah I, I didn't
0: I didn't either yeah.
1: it, it's always felt to me like a strange sort of little not even a subplot <laughs> just like a little diversion yeah. um, that kind of gives her character that mm. you know build, builds into her character and her curiosity about this guy who she hasn't seen but we know that she's not looking for like a, an extramarital affair or anything you know, mm. try, you know strike it up with an ex or anything because she's seven months pregnant and terribly happy mm. with the lovely Norm um, but it's a cur- it was just it has always oh. felt to me since 96 like a curious piece of character work
0: I think that's why I love it so much mm. because it is it is so clearly about her mm. but then when you realise that it, it is also f- you know feeding into the, the greater mystery of the, or the greater mm. investigation it's mm-hmm. even more satisfying
1: I love the difference between the two Frances McDormand characters in terms of how they pursue justice and you've you've already said Max that she has such a, in Fargo she has such a polite and effective way about her and I think it's adorable that she is always um, one step ahead of her male colleagues but also Mm -hmm. Lou her cop colleague stands <laughs> holding the two hot chocolates or coffees or whatever. She's the one trekking into the field mm, of snow, mm-hmm, mm. bending down at seven months pregnant to look at clues and saying, "Oh, looks like this one's a bit of a blah blah blah." And mm-hmm. you know, um, and just completely owning that. And by comparison, the three Bill- billboards character obviously is extremely violent in her language, at least, or in her emotion, and her, her actions and her actions and I prefer me I prefer me my Marge character mm. as a person but I do think it's interesting and obviously you know run with this but it's interesting she did she get nominated for an Oscar? oh yes, yes. Right. yes.
0: And she, She's for three billboards for three billboards yeah. I mean yeah
1: that's right so interesting uh, I mean
0: the, the acting was phenomenal in three billboards I was not in, as endeared to the film as mm. I don't know how you all feel about the film but I'm not as endeared to the film as the amount of people that are mm. Um, mm. I felt that uh, for me, like I was enjoying the film and I was laughing and, you know, but they're pretty, dis- pretty despicable humans in terms of the way that they talk about um, some of the other people in the town, mm-hmm. particularly the racist sl- racial slurs that they used, which I can talk more about on that, but I'll skip over that for now. Um, but for me, like, the story takes a turn where it starts to become a little convenient. I can't really talk too much to that because it is a spoiler, mm-hmm. but there is a moment in the film where a character is in the wrong place at the wrong time and sort of as a catalyst for the third act of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, oh, it this does. is all a bit convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then it's been added to with another moment where a character is in the right place at the right time. And I just thought, oh, this is... I'm not on board with where this film is <laughs> taking me. I well, love the ending. I love the ending, the final, mm-hmm. final moments. But that whole third act for me... I was not sure I I think that's that's just how like Martin Me writes because if if you if you watch In Bruges and you watch you know Seven Psychopaths it's just everything is so neat and tidy and everything slots Mm. into place um and you either you know roll with it and kind of accept this this version of reality which is you know a little bit skewed a little bit grotesque um or you you really find problems with it and I I think for me it actually it it didn't rub me the wrong way too much um I definitely did in Seven Psychopaths. I hate that movie. I hate that movie! <laughs> High I, five. Wrote, I wrote a blog post
1: entitled Seven Reasons I Hate Seven Psychopaths. Oh, and I linked to it in my three billboards review, actually, which uh-huh. I've never done on stuff. Um, because I was like, you know, gotta be honest with you, hated McDonald's, this film, and this is why. Oh, I'm so with you on oh, that. Because everybody so loves that. it.
0: Because yeah. it is, I've never seen a movie. Sorry, this is kind of moving in another
1: direction, but it is so so up itself. And, yes. Oh, isn't this clever? Yes. Mm. And um, so objectionable and so derivative yeah. and just so crass without being clever. Crass, like in but Bruges. That's, but Bruges that's was how I felt because
0: I enjoyed in Bruges. I was relatively indifferent to Seven Psychopaths. I really felt that the like there's the scene where Ro- Sam Rockwell's character, sorry, where um, Francis McDormand's character, you know, says, you know. Um, how's the N, N-word torturing going? Mm. Um, and he says, oh, we can't, call, we can't call them the N-word anymore. It's people of colour. So you need to say, how's the people of colour torturing going? And I was like, here are these two white characters discussing the use of the N-word, mm. limited black characters in the film. I was just like, why am I spending an hour or two hours with these people? I just, for but, me, that was really like, oh, but this is But really... isn't that
1: Irish McDonough... Well, actually, he's sort of Irish-English, British English, isn't he? But Irish-English McDonagh's A, being outside of America, therefore mm-hmm. can comment on, and it's a shorthand to presenting these characters as despicable. Yeah,
0: I understand yeah. that. I just thought, really? Like, I just, I didn't, I just I didn't, see the, I didn't see why this was needing to be talked about when... Mm-hmm. My, my only thing was, was that... In in a time where we do have, I don't want to talk too much about Trump because I hate talking about Trump because I feel like the more you talk about him, the more more his the more powerful, his, yes! more powerful it becomes.
1: <laughs> but in it's terms like of that, yeah, don't
0: but say in terms of no his place administration place. being voted yeah. into power by people who are just dis- clearly disenfranchised, needing a voice, he became his voice. He then got into power. You know, was the film commenting on a section of society that? had had felt like they were voiceless for, for a time, and that's mm-hmm. how they, that's why we're, the, the American politics are in the state of this now. But I still couldn't really get the film that. Mm-hmm. I just was... Yeah, I just felt like... The, these characters were, were racist and, um, and, and derogatory towards minorities. I mean, I still don't accept the way they treated the, the Peter Dinklage character. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was really off. And, and like you said, like you said, the psychopaths, it was trying to highlight something... But it wasn't clever enough to be properly doing it. I don't, think, it was try- I don't it. think
1: he was trying to highlight anything in a, um, in a here's a message in a moral way. I, th- I still think, as much as I enjoyed Three Billboards, I still think he's a little bit in it for shock value. Mm-hmm. And therefore, yeah. I mean, we can't talk about it without spoilering, but the big thing that the horrible cop character in um, Three Billboards does is outrageously, despicably, mm-hmm. horrifically awful. Um, and so there's a lot of shock and you're either laughing because you can't believe it or you're not laughing because you think it's terrible. And, and yet the really strange thing is
0: the, the film still portrays him as a, a complex character. With, yes. With, mm. you know, shades of
1: grey. And you have which is fascinating for him, maybe, yeah. towards maybe, the end. Maybe, yeah. Right. I um, guess it's
0: probably weird for me. I just wasn't on board.
1: It's, it's fun.
2: Oh, sorry, Max. Yeah, so. well, I mean, it's... It is, I think it's challenging, right, because at the start you go into this and it's really well done as a, like a drama, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh I can really get into this, this is fantastic the way they're developing these characters, and then when it doesn't quite have that gravitas through the middle and through the end as it gets more complicated and then it gets tied up too easily, that's, I think I was a little bit on board, but that's, it's kind of the difference between a really good film and a great film, right, to mm-hmm. make a cliché. I feel like this film was really good. Yeah, mm, it's really yeah. good, but it's not like a great film. It doesn't doesn't grab that greatness because it never actually it, it went off from that quite early on. Yeah, I think it's trying a to point. do too much with the plot. Right, I, I agree. Think. It or, could have been if it was simpler and really just wanted to delve into these characters, then it could have been great, but it's, Plus, no, it was, but not as popular. That was really ugly as well. Oh my gosh! Ugly. What a ugly film the
0: uh, three Billboards.
1: In terms of behaviour. No, no.
0: In terms of just how it so, looks. Oh of, uh, yes. Because uh, the scene with the deer, I, I could not believe what I was seeing. Um, mm. Yeah, it's not well shot. Or at least I, I well, that. Well, that 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 scene with the deer was superimposed, wasn't it? Yeah. it was so clearly. Yeah. Um, but just kind of, um, piggybacking off what you guys were saying, Jeremy and Sarah. Um, there's, there's actually a huge backlash against Seven Psychopaths for exactly that reason Like the racial politics are really muddled
1: Of Seven Psychopaths? Oh, oh no, sorry, oh, of uh, Three, three Bullboards Yes well, there I is think I think is. rightly
0: so Yeah I think rightly so um, There's a lot of um, com- <laughs> uh, commenters on, on Twitter and, and reviewers and, and other people do who you... are just not with it and and
2: Do you think that the the filmmakers kind of thought that they wrapped that one up by doing what they did? without spoiling um, for people that have seen it you mean plot wise plot wise by dealing with introducing it. that other character no, no twig <laughs> sorry guys
0: yeah they introduced I want to say we, it's not really a huge spoiler they introduce yeah. a black character in yeah. um, a position of power in a position yes. of power yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that initially yeah. when I saw that actor because he's um, I forget his name now but he's, he's off the wire and he's off Tremaine he's mm-hmm. a fantastic actor and I've loved his two characters in those two TV series I was like oh, and then it's just he's just perfunctory
1: yeah do you know what's awful In this scene, I don't think this counts as a spoiler. If you do, you can cut it later. I don't think this counts as a spoiler, but in Three Billboards, when the black character comes in... He says who he is, and he doesn't show any ID. And I spent a good fifteen minutes, twenty minutes thinking he's not who he said he was. Right. And then it turned out that was completely erroneous, and he totally was, and it wasn't a thing. And I da, 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 think da. that
0: thing is introduction though. When he's when he's he, when he's first introduced, there's a first mm-hmm. shot of him watching the action that's taking place. Yes. I'm pretty sure there's a badge. There. Oh yeah, he, he flashes his badge. You, you see sure, a badge, but, yeah. I, but but he doesn't I, um, flash the badge to to them. No.
1: And so. This is yeah. and this is irrelevant. You can probably just cut okay. that bit out. But I did think, uh oh, this is someone who's gonna. But no. Anyway, I say
0: cut that bit out. Yeah, <laughs> I, I also I also found the um the again this is just I really obviously I played a role the roaches with this movie for me the um again the politics with um uh Woody Harrelson's character's wife mm. was really problematic for me as well. Like the fact that um, she's twenty years as junior. Um,
1: the biggest problem for me is that she's Abby Cornish and I hate Abby oh Cornish <laughs> but okay, but that okay for the yeah.
0: time being I thought she was Brie Larson it was like man she's young <laughs> I just thought you know sure in terms of like you know in terms of real life relationships mm. totally believable mm. but in terms of cinema politics of having however old Woody Harrelson is and 20 years as junior his wife I was just mm. like come on guys and then the what she has to do in the film and the dialogue she has to say she's really only there as this pretty wife flop yeah. device to have yeah. sex with yeah. him and I I was just that I wasn't on board with either I just thought Ugh.
2: I feel like this film needs we didn't kind of start off by saying the good things the best things about this film <laughs> are the, the character dynamism mm-hmm. the the characters particularly the main characters probably the three main characters are Rockwell Harrelson and um, McDormand, McDormand. McDormand. Are, bo- are all very dynamic interesting got multiple shades yeah well rounded and the dialogue is probably that must be one of the best things yes. right? the dialogue mm-hmm. is piping hot yes um, witty particularly McDormand mm-hmm. um, very snappy very quick and very assertive probably She's so
0: easy to watch. Well, they're all easy to watch. They're such fantastic performers. Mm. You know, I think the fact that they're getting kudos for it, particularly Sam Rockwell and Francis McDormand. Sam Rockwell, he's just been such a powerhouse of an actor for so long, but he's so often in the background Mm. or to the side, you know. Mm -hmm.
1: And and to be fair, and I totally hear you, Jeremy, and I agree with you that the Abbey Cornish character is a cipher, but what I thought was interesting about... Three billboards is the Rockwell character, the Harrelson character, and the McDormand character are all potentially extremely unlikable. Um, and they are also, even if it's by the end of it, um, really lovely or sympathetic or lovable. Done as well, yeah. And I think it does take something to write, um, not write caricatures, totally. uh, and to, mm-hmm. to write those sorts of well rounded characters. And particularly if you're going to make Rockwell so deplorable, mm-hmm. to then make mm-hmm. him somebody whom by the end we're maybe okay with. I think I think shows something, mm. and I think to go back to Fargo, I think obviously I think the Coens are wonderful at, at doing that. I think, and interestingly, Marge in Fargo is pretty much a one-sided, lovely character. There isn't anything about her that we don't mm. like or approve of. But um, yeah, Fargo, it is
0: much more black and white, isn't it? Um, you have the good guys. And the bad guys, and the bad guys are just there's there's very little redeeming about them.
1: Yeah, they're either evil or stupid or both. Yeah, or greedy or, oh, or, no, or callous. Agent Macy. Yeah. You could take, no, you, I think you could take uh, different just,
2: perspectives on him. I found him despicable throughout the whole, entire mm. thing. He's hilarious. I, yeah. I think. I mean, it's difficult because they don't tell you the issue that he's dealing with at the beginning you,
1: you know it's money yeah
2: yeah okay yeah. and as you watch i was watching you last night and it's like it's a lot
0: of money like he needs a million dollars to pay off his debts yeah like what yeah. the heck is going on
2: <laughs> he's he's there's some there's some things about that that are like it, they can't do this it wouldn't work but you kind of he should technically be in a lot more stress as the film begins because he's already yeah. got this debt and yet you can't do that because I need to start him on kind of low stress and build it up as the no, film also, goes on. No, but also he's
1: already had the idea right at the very beginning of the film, do you remember, that he goes and he meets with Steve Buscemi mm. literally yeah. in scene one, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. And they're like, and there's that lovely sort of, not very slow, reveal of, so who are you and what are you here for and what do I need you to do? Mm-hmm. So immediately our plot is laid out for us on that diner table mm-hmm. in the opening scene. Mm-hmm. So I guess because he's already come to his conclusion of... I'm gonna get my wife kidnapped. Mm. I'll get the not the dowry. What's it called? Ransom. <laughs> the ransom. Um, and um, and and then it'll all be okay. So his stress levels are lower. But you're right. It has. Yeah. It can't be that high because then things have to escalate. Yeah.
2: I mean, he should be in. in, in unless uh, unless it doesn't make uh, it doesn't make sense otherwise. Mm. For me, this character. Why he'd do this thing that is extremely radical. Without being under a huge amount of pressure, he doesn't come <laughs> off as extremely reckless. He's a really beautiful, subtle character who's been now since you know you've played that character a million times. Who is slightly foolhardy um, and a little bit of a pushover, but he's really nicely balanced. I think. Mean. he's probably played it himself a few more times. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, he would have been it didn't cast. Quite in make a sense, lot. unless I don't know there was one little gap in the film. But can I ask? Jeremy, you, most of your critiques of Three Billboards so far have been kind of political. What about the storyline, etc. Well, no,
0: oh. no, but that's, that's the, other, the other one I said earlier, which was I felt the film jumped the shark for me when. Oh, that's um, right. You did. Sorry.
2: Yeah. So the, what about the storyline? What about the voiceovers? How do people feel about those? I don't
1: even. Yeah, I don't know. But there are voiceovers in Three Billboards. Yeah. yeah, 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 Were yeah. <laughs> there? <Totally. laughs> There's
2: lots of them. Who? from so the, Woody, Woody Harrison? Oh, oh just right Those yeah. voiceovers It made it feel like I didn't I didn't Particularly appreciate that It just always feels like Bloody it's... Shawshank Redemption Doesn't it <laughs> But
1: also It's a really cheap way Of I know, yeah. it's just so conveying cheap. stuff it's like, And the fact that I don't even remember The voiceovers Probably conveys They weren't that necessary
0: I, I think the um, For me The third time The voiceovers were used When Sam Rockwell Was involved um, It almost felt like It was edited for comedy Like they, they thought Yeah this is a really Trite right. you know and to the, that's for me that's the scene where the film uh, lost this is a classic
2: time? example of them kind of taking a kind of easy way to tidy things up that just kind of uh, decreases the, the overall um, weight of the film mm. or mm.
1: the, the film that just threw itself into my mind was No Country for Old Men because I'm remembering in three billboards that there is, there's a lot of quite serious violence and there's fire mm-hmm. and there's reckless behavior that could and does um, result in human endangerment and things and I thought god it's so funny isn't it when the academy goes oh we love a film that's a little bit like that and when did that last happen and this isn't necessarily when it last happened but it did happen with No Country for Old Men which interestingly of course is a Coen Brothers film and had at least three didn't it strong all male but nonetheless protagonists, and. Uh, a similar sort of quest narrative, where things went quite ghastly in mm. places, and it always, yeah, I think I'm always a little bemused when the academy, <laughs> if they're not giving people Oscars for playing people with disabilities, or, then or they're, the queen. or the queen, then they're <laughs> liking, they like to be a little bit risque, yeah. you know? Oh, we'll do I, it for the I film that's written with those. swear
2: words. And yeah. I think I've figured it out what this film needs. It needs. Come brothers behind the camera, because <laughs> <Yeah>. it <laughs> is kind of a Brothers esque storyline mm. in some ways, and I think this is a good place to say why. I mean, I'm, I think we all absolutely loved Fargo, mm-hmm. mm. absolutely, um, yeah. And I think the main thing that they absolutely nail is just that, just the balance between serious and lightheartedness, between darkness and humour, and this this film kind of plays out on kind of almost on different registers. For example watching the kidnapping of this woman is done in this fat, fantastic in kind of... Yeah. Yes, oh, obviously, yes. Yeah. Mm. Is kind of done on these two different wave, wavelengths in some ways. Like, there's the real dramatic aspect that you can watch it from her perspective. Mm-hmm. It's extremely serious. She's doing these things. She's banging it's her petrifying. head. It's yeah. <laughs> petrifying. It's petrifying. And yet there's times where you, like, can almost get behind these two nasty, despicable men... Who are and I think they take more of the filmic, cinematic mm-hmm. perspective. It's a classic film, which is like a bit more humorous. Hey, she's getting kidnapped. It's not a big deal. It happens yeah, all the time yeah. in movies. And, and, and they laugh like, when she is doing something, for example, like has a big hood over her head and is running through the snow and falls over. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. And that's what this the kind of farcical, classic, yeah. mm. classic cinema would do that, you mm. know? And yet, I love how that plays out in two mm. different kind of ways. I've got more mm. examples, but... Yeah, for sure. The uh, the slapstick elements of Fargo, I, I think, really make those scenes work as well. Um, mm. Since you, you are laughing, but it's dark. It's, mm. a, it's a pretty yeah. dark comedy. Mm. The only one I felt just went a bit too far, but it, it was really when it went classic Coen Brothers, this was the last part where it gets to absurdity of <laughs> pushing the foot of this um, man into a... Wood, wood chipper. chipper. Mm. Wood chipper. Mm. Like, I was like, wow, they're really... But, it, it right but up. it's the
1: most iconic scene in yeah. the whole thing, isn't it? And right. I love the detail in that shot it
0: with the little it's sock. In. With
1: the horrible, yeah, <laughs> the horrible sort of athletic white sock that just yeah. you just think you can imagine Steve Buscemi's character wearing those socks when he's yeah. in bed with yeah. these prostitutes. <laughs> he's that kind of low grade yeah. of a character, and the fact that that's Peter Stormare, however you say his name, has to get like a a block, a of, block of wood to yeah. try and force this foot down. I mean, I guess
2: it's it's it's, it's well done right because it's yeah. built up so slowly throughout the film that they've got and, more and more intense and right. then it's just like blah, and then yeah. when, when you actually get to the moment you know you, you hear the sound yeah. and you are from Marge's point of view you don't know what's exactly. going
0: on but it's something horrible that's right. and then you gradually see the reveal it's kind of hidden by trees and oh there it is yeah and then that wonderful shot where, he 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 can't initially hear her over yes! like the sound of the wood um, <laughs> chipper. And he sort of looks at her and it's just that's when you finally see the foot. Mm, yeah. She's trying to get him to put her hands. And she on his points head and... and she points yeah. at the badge on yeah, her hat, because yeah, yeah. she's got
1: the gun out. Oh, and... is that what she does? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because oh, yeah. she's like, put your hands yeah. up or halt or something, I can't remember exactly that... and she has to point at the badge because he can't hear her. Oh, <laughs> oh. <so gross.
0: laughs> you know you know the you know the reason why the film opens with the, this is a true story? Do you know why the Coen brothers added that into the film? No. Because they recognised that the film escalated in such an absurd way that they thought, no one's going to buy this story. Oh, yeah. So if we tell them up front that it's true, people mm-hmm. will be more receptive to the ridiculousness there, there of the story. There was actually
2: another example of how I think they balance the absurd with the serious, because mm. they say, this is all true... <clears throat> We've had to change the names out of respect for the people that are still alive.
1: But out of respect yeah. for the dead.
2: <laughs> we're going to, what is it? We're going to keep yeah. it as... Exactly the same. Exactly yeah, the yeah, same. Yeah. So it's that lovely, like, absurdity yes. <laughs> versus reality, but... Come on, yeah.
1: And all of the characters in Fargo, even though we've talked about them being somewhat caricatures, mm-hmm. they're not... Actually, to be fair, they're stereotypes more than caricatures, aren't mm-hmm. they? Jerry Lundegaard could be in any... Um, car dealership in um, North Dakota, Mm. uh, or in in Minnesota, Mm. and the wife is so the wife, and their Mm. house is so ordinary and so typical, Mm. Uh, the son, and even Steve Buscemi with his idiocy, is, um, they're not so beyond the bounds of possibility, so it's lovely, isn't it, when you've got really ordinary people who doing extraordinary Mm. things, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. having Mm -hmm. extraordinary things happen to them, so... Yeah, can I kind of bounce yeah. off that um, yeah. and to
0: a previous point you made, Sarah, about an Irishman kind of coming in and depicting small town, rural, you know, Americana, um, the, the, the main tonal difference I found between Three Billboards and Fargo was, was just that, that I think Fargo presents a world that, that feels real and lived in and Three Billboards to me does not. Mm. Um, it feels much more like an artificial construct to tell the story. Mm. Whereas Fargo, especially, um, I don't know if you guys know, I, I lived in Duluth, mm. Minnesota for four years, mm. uh, which is the setting of season one of the uh, Fargo TV show. Mm. <laughs> um, and I, I actually, I saw Fargo ages ago, like, I don't know, in the 90s. And then I watched it again after living in Duluth for ages. And it just shocked me. I mean, obviously the Cones are from Minnesota, but they get all the little details right. You know, Norma's eating old Dutch potato chips, which is on store shelves everywhere. Ooh. And you go to these houses and, and they have the little wooden knickknacks and, mm. and all the, I mean, obviously the, the dialogue and the, the accent being a huge part of it. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I had mates from Branded who sounded just like the people from Brainerd do. Yeah. Um, and it... It does kind of edge towards stereotype, or uh, sorry, not mm. edge, it crosses mm. the line straight into stereotype mm. sometimes with the, oh yeah, yeah. And um, the, the guy yeah, being that's shot. It's kind of self
2: referential at least. It, it
0: is. Yeah. But uh, my favourite thing is the um, uh, the, the father in law character being shot, and his final line is, oh jeez! Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's adorable! <laughs> And it so was yes. there's also the um, in that scene where they're at the buffet and she's yeah. getting all of that horrible-looking food, oh, and all that and Swedish meatballs. Like, yeah, and it's all
1: fried because they're at <laughs> fryers. It's like chicken. The, the thing that she
0: skips over is like a um, sort of it's got a I can't remember the name. Ludafisk. Um, Ludafisk. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the, 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 some sort of dried. It's preserved fish. Gel- It's g- gelatinized fish that the Scandinavians used to eat, like you know, on the ocean voyages. Mm. And for some reason, the people in Minnesota think think of it as like, oh, this. Is fancy.
1: Do you suppose she's not eating it because she's pregnant? Because I oh. I, cause I, thought, gosh, not only are we spending a lot of time watching her spoon food into her plate, because the whole, fu- the whole film, she's eating throughout yeah. the whole film. Yeah,
2: yeah, I was going to say, it's a lot about food.
1: She's in her car eating a burger, Norm brings Any her the food. burger, <laughs> he makes her the you eggs. Have That's you have right. she's so I'm watching all this yeah. food in this buffet, and I thought, oh, it's really cute. It's either, um, it's either an important detail, or it's just a lovely character-driven detail mm, that she homily. goes, oh, no, I won't have that, but I'll have yeah. two helpings of this. Um, and then they're munch, munch, munch. And I love
0: morning. the bowl of jelly as well. Yes. Like she's, yeah. she's prepped out her meal. Yes. Oh, it's
1: just... And hers is way bigger than Norm's. <laughs> Which so... eating for two. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. It's adorable.
0: But, Jeremy, yeah, Ludafisk is disgusting. Oh, I, just the idea of is it, is it drenched in lime? In lime, yeah. So it tastes really chemical and... Uh, oh. uh,
1: so oh. by comparison, then, to follow mm. on from what you are saying, William... Fargo, situated realistically mm. by people who know the environment and have constructed it so, compared with three billboards, which has a foreigner, Irish descent, English living, whatever he is. You're quite right. Coming over, interestingly, calling the film by the name of the place, mm. just like Fargo is. But so how so how are we seeing it? Are we seeing it that these characters that he's written are also a little bit over the top? Uh, that there are there's. I mean, is it kind? Is it kind? Is kind. he looking at it in a mocking way and going, "I'm going to go over and take the piss out of Middle America"? No, I
0: wouldn't say so. No, no okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do feel. I feel like there there is quite a lot of empathy with with every character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, as we said before, even the the normally despicable ones, um,
1: even John Hawkes, yes, the, the yes. horrible abusive husband, has some nice moments. There's a fantastic
0: scene in the movie um, concerning their family unit, which mm. is. Yeah, I found him just fascinating mm. and really cool. He's such a cool actor. Yeah. So, man, when he came into the film, I was just like, yeah, play that one little tiny part. Yep. And he just... There's something about John Hawkes that's just mm-hmm. really, really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and even, um, I mean, his his teenage girlfriend. Mm. Um, the, the, the movie, you know, makes fun of her, but you still feel empathy with her, mm. which is really cool. Mm. I think, just talking about it, the, the names of the films, you mentioned how much you loved the title... I think it's a... T- I do not like the title. Oh, no, I don't do that. I think they should just call it Three Billboards because That's it's just even... ridiculously long. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I think... And who's going to remember? Well, I guess people do. Evan, comma Missouri. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I don't know how many people are like, oh, let's go see that film Three Billboards Outside of... Oh, I um, called it Two or Three Billboards
2: Outside of Missouri. Missouri. not my refer to four billboards four. on the board?
1: Funny.
0: The, uh, the, the Mandarin translation in Taiwan is, is just called... It's it's a hard translation, but it's it's two characters, and it translates to like coincidence.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: interesting.
1: Coincidence. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's very appropriate. Or, or like, like accident, kind of.
1: Yes, but coincidence is different from accident. E like E
0: Y. So it's something that happens that's outside of the ordinary, mm.
1: or outside of your control. Yes. Oh, that I would take. Is this it.
0: for Fargo or for... Uh, for Three Billboards. Three Billboards. Well, that, I, so. if the film be called that, then I would have been yeah. more open to yeah. that because that's my <laughs> biggest issue with the story is that yeah. there are two very strong coincidences in the third act. I'm yeah. like, ah. I, I
1: bet you it's a playwright. Is he more... Is that, would we consider McDonough more a playwright yeah. than a film... I,
0: than a screenwriter? I, I think he's a stronger director than he is a sp- Grip writer.
1: but I mean, but I mean, he's got a, but his history is in yeah. theatre, right? I'm just wondering, it feels more like a play I, I mean, title. The play. whole thing,
0: you know, if you close your eyes, it could be a radio play. Yeah, um, that's true. Now, in, mm. okay,
1: so that comes on to the dialogue. Perhaps I do object to all of the swearing, and when I saw the trailer, and it was hilarious because I saw the trailer. And they beeped out all of her words, and they bothered in the trailer. To the the, oh. the opening scene of the trailer is her driving along in the car, very very slowly, and shouting out at the woman, uh, the newscaster. And it's all you think you can beep, 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 beep <laughs> and you can't even understand. But you certainly get a sense that this is going to be quite a sort of a, you know, um, a potty not a potty humour, but a crass language kind of film. Mm. And I maybe it's my age, maybe it's my extraordinarily. Strong conservatism No, not really But as somebody who swears quite a lot In my own life I don't know, I just kind of feel like, really? I fully,
0: I fully agree with you in concept I don't have a huge issue with this film But I do find that some films That, that try and pepper their movies with um, swearing We've actually talked briefly before this podcast About the film Bright, the David Ayer film Which is just, from my perspective, terrible But the, that film has just got so much swearing in it and I'm like, who, who is your audience? Like, and you, is it necessary? It's not necessary. I mean, there are films where swearing is used to great effect, and mm. that it, it really, um, you know, makes your characters. Say, I just think, okay, I tell I tell my students that swearing is shorthand. You know, yes. it's lazy. It's lazy speaking because you yeah. can't be bothered articulating how you really feel. Right. Um, and I think that if you use it in the right way to affect yeah. swearing can be really thrilling. But, yeah, if it's just peeped through, it's just kind of like,
1: oh. And I wonder how much of it was written for her, and McDormand can pull off that if she can can pull off anything, but I wonder how much of it was a conscious decision to write her as as hard a character as he possibly could. Hard, (laughs) but a mother grieving her daughter who's actually got softness within her. And that, again, is part of the crafting of the character. And it's clever, and it's well done, but really...
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you guys on that, um, especially when you have stuff like um, the, the TV series Bojack Corsman on Netflix, where uh, they f- they famously have one F word per season, and it's used to demonstrate like a, a relationship breaking down. Like it, it's off, off, often the emotional apex of a season mm. um, compared to, you know, um, a lot of movies, especially ones aping Tarantino, where people like, F, 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 F. Uh, David Ayer films for one yeah (laughs) where it just you know it loses the power that you know words have Mm. yeah absolutely and just briefly the TV series you mentioned the TV series Mm -hmm. I think that's um, a very it's an anomaly in that it's like when I first heard about the Fargo TV series I was like what Uh, how are they going to do this and that has had three seasons now, and I believe that they've in talks about a fourth one. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's been just as enjoyable as, as the film. Like it's, it's taken the, the aspects of the film, mm-hmm. done new stuff with it, uh, feeling both like a homage and its own sort of beast.
1: Yeah.
0: Who would have thought that Fargo would have got a TV series? I never would have thought. That's so good. And just the, the anthology aspect of how they tie everything together and kind of incorporate the movie into this grander scheme of, of crime in the upper Midwest is so good.
1: I still hope so. that Three Billboards doesn't spawn a uh, TV series, though. No,
0: I agree. I also yeah. hope that it doesn't win a best picture, but it quite likely could. Yeah, or McDormand at least deserves my like, best actress. I think what so. Do you, what
2: do you think House should get it? Um, not, not Shape of
0: Water, so. No, not Shape of Water. What else is there?
2: I haven't looked. I'm not usually very good at going back to old uh, to films that I've seen before. Mm-hmm. Even real classics. So it's that's been quite nice aspect of this of the podcast is that I'm like, and then I always enjoy it. Like going back to Blade Runner, going back to this has been so fantastic.
0: Well, it's like I didn't really want to watch Fargo again last night because even though I love it, I've seen it so many times, and I was just feeling tired. But my flatmate was uh, him, and I we got some takeaways, and, and I said, oh, I'm, I'm doing this film. have you seen it, said now, so we put on Fargo and watching it with someone who hadn't seen it oh, was yeah. so oh, that's enjoyable great. and he was just like at the end of it, was like that was a, such a good film Yeah. And he's that's like great. That was, how long was that an hour and a half Yeah, said, man. that's got more depth and weight to it than most two and a half hour films yeah. and I'm like the brevity of Fargo yeah. is, is just another fantastic film and thing they're still putting
2: in little chunks where you're like there's a the dialogue that doesn't really seem to have much relevance <laughs> and it still fits in you know. Yeah. but I should have said like that it's quite perfect in a lot of ways like It's got everything It's got cinematography It's got fantastic score it's yeah, got acting music. it's got dialogue it's got
0: depth
2: yeah. yeah the um the, the opening the scene with the, the out and the
0: bird kind of floating in mm. and out of focus mm-hmm. and then all the, the fence posts coming by holy moly! Roger Deakins is a genius and I he's he's fun. potentially he hasn't won an Academy Award yet has yeah, he but has he nominated this year for um, Blade Runner for Blade Runner yeah, yeah. hasn't he even
1: nominated a million this times this is like his 10th or 11th time I gotta. think I think it's 18th what I think Whoa. so because he films everything yeah, right? yeah.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoyed our podcast, then please share it with your film-loving friends. You can listen to Cinema in Context through SoundCloud or through Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook or subscribe to us on Twitter or YouTube, which are great places to let us know what you think of this episode or give us suggestions for future films to discuss and compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time. And until then, ka anō.